Our text today comes to us from 1 Corinthians 12, and I want you to know that I have taken some liberties with this text. I've tried to remove Paul's rhetorical devices in an effort to strip it down to the sayings. And I can talk to you more about that process if you're interested, but I invite you just to listen for the word of the Lord. There are many parts, but one body. The eye can't say to the hands, I don't need you. Nor can the head say to the foot, I don't need you. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts we consider less honorable, we treat with greater honor. Our unpresentable parts are treated with much modesty, whereas our presentable parts have no such need. God has composed the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So there should be no division in the body. Its members should have mutual concern for one another. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Good and loving God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the unity that you have given us. We thank you for gathering us together. God, I pray that whatever words we would hear this morning would come from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. So the other day I was walking my dogs, enjoying this beautiful fall weather, which it's just perfect in Michigan right now. This is, wow, it's been 70, sunny, with a light breeze in the evening. I love it. So I was taking, I was taking advantage of that. I was walking the dogs, and actually I had, I had quite a bit on my mind um, coming back from vacation and just thinking about things and just was feeling a heaviness. And so as I'm walking, I turn the corner. I didn't get like but one block, and, and this woman started shouting at me. Um, and kind of flagging me down, and so I, I stopped and, and uh, started to talk to her, and she asked me, she said, would you mind if I told you about the best local politician you could ever vote for in the history of this city's elections? And to avoid the awkwardness and maybe to avoid some of the conflict, I said, yeah, sure. <laughs> so she begins to give me the um, the talking points that I'm sure she's given to thousands of people around the city. She's telling me how this local politician is so wonderful and so great, and she's telling me, you know, what, what points he's really going to focus on and, and all of these things that this local politician was going to do. And I was listening kind of half-heartedly and feeling a little bit distracted. And when she got done with the, the end of her speech and kind of pitching me on this, this politician... She asked me, what's your name and what do you do? This is always a fun, fun moment for pastors. <laughs> like, do you tell people what you do? Do you, <laughs> do you hide it? Sometimes it can create an awkwardness. People feel almost instantly guilty sometimes when they find out you're a pastor, as if we know every bad thing that anyone has ever done, right? 
and as if we've never done anything wrong ourselves. So I told her my name's Pastor Garrett, which is always an awkward thing to say because my first name is not Pastor and my last name's not Garrett, but that's how it comes out sometimes. And she said, oh, well, which church do you work for? I said, I'm at Fort Street downtown. And she said, is that the castle on 3rd? And I said, yeah, that's the castle right on 3rd. And then she did something really strange. She kind of stepped near me, and she held out her hands like this. And I took her hands in the middle of a pandemic, not thinking, and I got dog leashes in one hand, and she squeezes my hands really tight. And she looks me in the eyes and just stares. And then she says, I feel your spirit. I feel your spirit. Now for a while I was thinking, what, what does that mean? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that means necessarily, but as I'm thinking that and she's holding my hands and she's smiling at me and she's speaking this word to me, I feel what she's trying to say to me. I don't have any evidence for that other than I was feeling a heaviness when I began that walk and when she spoke that to me, I felt something lifted and I started smiling. And then she dropped my hands and she said, bless you, pastor. And then she kept on doing what she was doing. Her words changed me in a very real way way, in a very tangible way. I went from feeling this weight to feeling lighter and smiling, and actually right after she left, I started running with the dogs. I thought I was just going to walk, but I had all of this energy. And she did that with a gesture, with a touch, but mostly, I think, with a word. Haven't we all felt that before? Have you all ever had a, a word spoken to you and you've felt sort of the change? And I'm, I'm not talking about a, a cheap and rehearsed compliment that someone might pay you. I'm talking about someone stopping you in the middle of the street maybe, grabbing your hands and looking you in the eye and saying something meaningful. Maybe you had a mentor or a coach growing up that really spoke words of encouragement to you or told you not to be so hard on yourself or just lifted you up in ways that made you feel good. Maybe you have family members that say, I love you, say, I'm proud of you. Maybe you have good friends that do that. We've all sort of felt this deep affirmation before, haven't we? At least I, I hope we have. We know the power of a good word I think we also know the opposite too, don't we? We know how a word can very quickly make us feel hurt. I was, I was taught growing up, and I, I, I don't know how I feel about this anymore, but did anyone hear the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words <laughs> will never harm me? I do not think that that is true. <laughs> I don't think that that's true at all, because it, you know how a word can hurt you. 
You know how that feels. We all know the goodness. We all know the evil that can come out of our mouth. And we know the effect that it has on the world, but I think sometimes we forget. There's a proverb that says something like, I'm, I'm going to butcher it here, but it's something like, the fruits of the tongue are life and death. The fruits of the tongue are life and death. And I think the writer of that proverb or the writers of that proverb are trying to tell us that everything that comes out of our mouth is going to create or detro- destroy. It's going to raise or it's going to bury. It's going to have an effect on the world, whether we like it or not. In our text for today, I think that Paul is asking a pretty deep question. And he asks it throughout several of his letters and several of the the books in the New Testament. And that that question is, and I'm I'm kind of guessing here, but it's it's something like, what does it mean that we're all interconnected? And he's asking this question in a world that's actually incredibly divided. You remember he, he talks a lot about, you know, there's no longer Jew nor Greek. There's no longer slave nor free. There's only one body in Christ Jesus. We're all part of one spirit. He's constantly trying to bring people together and and gather them and make sure that there isn't division among those that have to live together. It might be one of his chief concerns throughout his writings. How do we get people to be unified and what does it mean that we are already unified whether we like it or not? Whether you agree or not that we're connected, we're, we're sort of stuck together. We are bound together. And Paul really wants to answer this. I think one way of answering it, and what I hear Paul saying throughout the passage that we read today, is, is that being interconnected, being bound together, means that the deepest... Hmm, how do I want to say this? It means that at the, at the core of our relationships, if you suffer, any one of you out there, it actually means that I experience some suffering too. And he says that. If one suffers, the other parts suffer along with it. But if you are lifted up, if you are honored, we all get to rejoice. And we know this is true in, 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 in some ways. Have you ever been um, in, in a classroom where there's like one disruptive student and the teacher <laughs> is upset with that one student and it kind of ruins things for everyone? I heard someone say to me this morning that they have a rule with their children that if one of them doesn't listen, they all <laughs> experience the effects of that, right? If you've ever stubbed your toe, you know how bad it can hurt. Or if you've ever had a sore tooth, a toothache can really ruin your day. I used to get jammed fingers when I played basketball a lot, and it would just affect everything. The tiniest little thing can affect the whole body, but I don't know how often we see that relationally. I don't know how often we pay attention to it 
in our day-to-day lives. If one of us suffers, the rest of us suffer. To be interconnected means that actually we have an effect on those that are around us. And as I was studying that scripture this week and really thinking about it, I thought, you know, that might begin with our speech. The way we affect one another might begin with just our words. The way we say hi to someone. The way we say goodbye to someone. The way we name things that are around us the way we speak about people, places, certain events, all of these things have an effect. Y'all have heard how politicians are speaking to one another now, haven't you? I hear it's, it's really nothing new. I guess politicians have kind of been doing this in our country for a while, this inflamed rhetoric, this rhetoric that tears down and doesn't build up, these hate campaigns. I think as of, it was as of tw- 2019, Pew had run a poll and asked um, Americans all over the country, how do you feel about political rhetoric? And it was eight, it, more than eight in 10 said, it's gone downhill. It's become more evil. It's become more destructive. It's become a little more, I would say, evil. More than 18 people thought that, which I found fascinating. And if you think about it or you're, you're beginning to disagree, I would say, you know, we actually saw the effects. If you just think about the last four or five years of the political climate, you can actually see the power that words have to motivate people to do certain things, right? We saw the effects of a major politician standing in a place of power and speaking evil, hateful, unthoughtful words to the masses, and then we saw how the masses responded to that, Right? And that's kind of an extreme example, but I think it also happens on these micro levels. But just just take that one. You saw that speech from a place of prominence does have an effect on the world. I'm preaching to myself here because I get a place of semi-prominence every other week. Our words matter. You've seen the effects that bad speech patterns have had on the world, and we saw it culminate in the storming of the Capitol. If you're like me, you can see that negativity pretty easily. And social media, the news, they make it easy. They they sort of feed on that bad news, I would call it, that bad rhetoric. But actually, What I hear Paul saying, too, and the thing that I think we don't always focus on is the potential for life in our words as well. We let those negative voices, we let that evil rhetoric sort of take over and distract us from the other side of the truth, and that is your words have the power to create, 
They have the power to build people up. They have the power to make the world into a better place. But we forget it. We forget it. You can help change the world by the way you speak to others. The way you represent yourself on social media, what you post, can have an effect on the world, or I should say will have an effect on the world. The way you ask for something, the way you say I love you or I'm sorry, the way you confront and challenge others, the news you choose to read, digest, and then share with the world. Our words, whether we like it or not, are going to bring life or death. And I want you to see this morning how much power you actually have. I want you to try something with me this week. I'm sort of inspired by this woman that stopped me on the street and spoke this word to me, but I thought, you know, I, I never do that with people. That, that's not really my style. I don't know if I will ever do that, but I want us to practice something together. There is so much bad news out there. There is so much negativity. There is so much hateful speech. There is so much misinformation, disinformation. There is so much going on out there that I truly believe that one way that we can begin to heal the world it's by speaking good words, by preaching good news. And I want you to try that with me this week. Pay attention to what you say to others. Pay attention to emails you write. Let's pay attention to the way we talk to those closest to us. And just notice what comes out. Is it mostly negative? Is it lifting them up, or is it not? Is it, is it creating life? Is it honoring people? I just want you to pay attention, because I think if we can bring out an awareness to the potential we have with our words, we can begin to use our words more wisely, more strategically. And I think that this is what Paul is actually asking of us, to think deeply about how we are connected, to think deeply about the effects that we have on one another, and to honor those people that we find dishonorable, to lift up those that are considered weak by society, to bring justice into the world, just by the way you speak. We would all do well to remember that our words matter. They have power. I want you to think twice this week before you post or share something. Think twice about what you may say in the heat of the moment. I'd like to invite us to pause this week to measure our sentences. to strive to create a new world with our words, 
just like God spoke this earth into being. Our words are a gift from God. They're a way for us to heal our neighbors. They're a way for us to reconcile with our enemies. They are a way to end suffering in the world. Friends, our words matter. My words matter. And they're just sitting in our mouths with all of this creative or destructive potential. And I invite you this week to think about them. And to think about the call that Jesus places on all of our lives to go into the ends of the earth and to spread good news. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for our words. Thank you for the power that they have. God, I pray that we would pay more attention to that, that we would use our words wisely to bring your kingdom to earth. In Jesus' name, amen.